0: Next on the Well of Sound,
1: Mr. Nick Lowe. I love the sound. You look like butter would melt in your mouth, but I know it will.
0: Home record.
2: Did you know? Did you know any Nick Lowe songs before this? Before this began,
0: I couldn't have told you a Nick Lowe song, but if I had heard one, uh, I would have been like, I, you know, I've heard that song before. Right. Not, not intimately.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Nick has experienced, as we'll talk about, like a, a second act um, or a you know a second wave, really, uh, in the last 20 years. Part of this needs to be said up front is that a, a lot of this music has been out of print. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, Jesus of Cool was really hard to find until it was re-released in on you know, his 30th anniversary. I mean, you could find, I had to get imports for almost all of these things like 20 years ago. All of the solo albums from the 80s, the stuff that didn't sell as well, it, you could find it in vinyl stores, but you couldn't find it on CD. Until Yep Rock Records has really made almost like a Nick Lowe cottage industry. So yeah, where, where do you want to begin?
0: You know what I thought was, was fun and interesting to me, and it has actually gotten me off on, a, on a, its own tangent? One of his sort of earliest musical moments is his mom had this collection of hits from Tennessee Ernie Ford.
1: Through the magic of electronic impulses, I got a guest star that comes on my show and washes his socks. <laughs> Ernie. You're not supposed to do your laundry on my show You're supposed to sing a song or something And now you can't do it Oh sure I can Jack I've got my guitar right back here And I'll sing as soon as I tune it up (laughs) (laughs) She's got perfect pitch Tried to sleep But it ain't no use Cause I am the brother To the old Wild goose, my heart knows what the wild goose knows, and I must go where the wild goose goes. Wild goose, brother goose, which his best—a wandering foot or a heart at
2: rest? Is that a saw in the background? It may be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that a, belongs in remember? a Cohen Brothers movie, right?
2: I mean, absolutely.
0: He sort of talks about his ears perking up and his mom listening to these songs, and and them being so, um, sort of visual and cinematic in his mind. Uh, there's nothing strange about uh, people
1: from England playing country and western music, as long as it comes from the heart, as long as it comes from what you know about. And if I am a middle-class uh, geezer who went to um, the cheapest public school that my father could <laughs> uh, could find, that's perfectly fine but I've got to behave like that you know so it comes across
2: and one of the great things that should be said about Nick Lowe one of the unique uh, contributions he has is he's he's funny and it's very difficult to do humor in rock and roll without becoming pure novelty or parody uh, you know, and I, I have the utmost respect for Weird Al and his ilk, but to do it the way he's done it, which is with irony and wit, w- while keeping some kind of an edge, it's almost an, he's almost pioneered it, you could say. And, and I know that he's a favorite among a lot of comedians.
1: Yours is that one, I believe. This will do nice. Big like, greetings. Uh, how did you go into this awful business then? Oh, my dad bought me a guitar for Christmas. I think that's probably how it all started. And you got the bug? I got the bug, yes. I got the full-length mirror <laughs> in, the, in the bedroom.
2: Nick, Nick grows up, you know, he's the son of an RAF pilot. He's, this, he's, he's, he's traveling around the world. He grew up in like Jordan and Cyprus, and, uh, and ended up, they shipped him off to boarding school. So he went to a kind of a, uh, he was not an upper-class kid, but he went to one of those schools. Ended up getting kicked out of it, but that's where he meets Brinsley Schwartz. The guitarist with whom he they formed the band Brinsley Schwartz.
0: But so the uh, so Brinsley and Nick are actually touring as as teenagers with the with what would become the Brinsley Schwartz band. I be- I believe so. It starts out on like, like air force bases, like kind of following suit of, of what they already knew.
2: And they meet the guys in America, you know, the the, the band America, what? because those were all expats. Oh, I did uh, know that. Those were all like army brat kids.
0: They cross paths with those guys.
2: Yep. Yep. There's some stories in the, the book, you know, I'll probably reference this book by Will Birch called Cruel to be Kind. And they, uh, there's a whole ecosystem that they tap into. And Nick's got a real soft spot for, you know, especially uh, um, Air Force type things and and history he's he's a kind of a he's one of these slyly intellectual uh rockers and he almost was fighting against that most of his life
0: but first there's brinsley schwartz so dave robinson is their manager and will kind of stick with them and nick for a while um and he coordinates sort of a big pr stunt that takes what was brinsley schwartz at the time which sort of folk rocky, psychedelic they're, folk rock a little bit?
2: They're in love with the band. Uh, they're another one of these English groups that is. Uh, they hear music from Big Pink and the Brown album by the band, and that's the, that's the Brinsley Schwartz, uh, at least for the first few albums, that's the template. But they hadn't, they hadn't sort of found their own... They don't find their own identity for a little while. So
0: Dave Robinson tries to do this big stunt... Um, and and ships them over to the states to to have a big moment, and it all goes awry. Planes are late. Um, there's I think they're supposed to open for a Van Morrison maybe, um, and they get they're supposed to have like a day to rehearse, and they get in like an hour before the show, and in the layover they all got hammered, and so they're just wasted. They're not playing their own instruments, and it's a full disaster. It becomes known as the Brinsley Schwartz hype because everything was had been pumped up so much and then they were basically a disaster. And their first um, album also got panned uh, at the time. So they go back to, to the UK just kind of with their tails between their legs, a little bit pissed the, off. The
2: first and, album isn't very good. I don't know if you have... I you have did. Maybe. I listened
0: to it. And yeah, it's...
2: Yeah, so wait, what happens after that exactly? I know that they're tail between their legs. They're, they're, they're ashamed of themselves a little bit. So and they, I
0: think that sort of the other big thing that's happening is, uh, here we go again. Pride Rock is, <laughs> is big and rising. And Glam Rock is also big and rising, both in the UK. And there are these big conceptual things, Right. And as a reaction to that, there is this thing that I I think can sort of safely be called the UK thing at that point in time, which is pop rock. It
1: made the real big groups, which I the sort of groups that I don't like, groups like the Moody Blues and Yes and Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Those sort of groups that make real pompous music. To me, it's just it's I I won't say the word I was going to say. Uh, it's just not, it takes itself too seriously. It's like, it's got the worst, the worst lyrics. The lyrics are so like, a hopeless poetry, you know, terrible. The worst kind of
0: half-baked poetry. And uh, one of the, the leading acts at the time is Eggs Over Easy, who we've talked about, um, I think, in the, our, our, maybe our Christmas episode.
2: Yeah, they're another one of these great... Bands, I mean, again, the name is just unbelievably bad, I think, if you're going to try to capture any kind of audience. I don't know who they're going for, but the songs are great. The X over easy uh, is... is, And And they're Americans,
0: and they bring sort of a country vibe to the U.K., and they end up, get this, they end up in the U.K. because of their manager, um, who's sort of involved with Canon Films. Wait, really? Yeah. They were trying to get into music, and it sort of all fell apart, and they and Eggs Over Easy kind of ended up stranded in the UK as a result of some, some deals gone wrong with <laughs> yeah, canon I did, films. Yeah, I
2: do not remember that. They couldn't actually get back. Well, let's hear a song of theirs. Uh, let's hear Face Down in the Meadow up there, self-titled song from
1: 1972. Well, he was face down.
2: Great songwriting, great singing. I think F- Eggs Over Easy has like three songwriters and singers in it, in in a kind of a band type of way. But pub rock, you know, I for the longest time, I've really never been able to figure out what on earth it actually is. And this book, it, it just turns out they hadn't been really playing live music in pubs before this. And uh, it, because it had always been venues. The UK was filled with venues and dance halls and concert halls and vaudeville places. But this was... Uh, they started playing in, in, in uh, pubs and it, and it worked. But the stuff that worked was had to be kind of simple orchestration or simple instrumentation and as you mentioned there's a real um, they set themselves up against something and that's, that's kind of a... Nick Lowe is a contrarian and, and he's a contrarian uh, throughout his career and that's one of the things that makes him so interesting but he, he always wants to, everything to be underproduced and uh, no overdubs, and um,
1: no reverb. But that was only because we didn't have any money, enough money to use another thing. But working on 8-track is a, is very good because it means you're very limited, obviously, if you've just got 8-tracks to work on. Most records nowadays are made on a 16-track or 24-track. But uh, it means if you work on 8-track that uh, you've got to put more thought into the record you're going to make from the beginning. In other words, if you think of tambourine, is gonna it is very gonna be very important for a record. And you save a track for that tambourine and you cram all the instruments together. A lot of people when they work on twenty four tracks, they they use up eighteen and they think Another six tracks left. Let me think some hand claps, maybe, or a tambourine or something. And they try and use the whole thing up. Whereas an eight track, you're very disciplined, you know. So it was great training for me because I didn't know anything about it, you know, at all. Very simple stuff. To the extent
2: that some of the early Brinsley Swartz records, you're like, this could have been a great record, but it just
0: is so thin. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the pubs uh, that becomes one of the mainstays where Eggs Over Easy played uh, was the Tally Ho. And basically, sort of a, a scene starts to circle around that place in particular. And Brinsley Schwartz becomes a part of that eggs over easy and uh, the marquee uh, scene. And you start to see the same people kind of flowing through. Um, Dave Robinson, the manager, is, is sort of a part of that. He's bringing in um, different acts. Loudon Wainwright. Um, so some pretty cool stuff happening in this sort of, yeah, rootsy, Setting, but I mean, here's the thing: is that they're they're playing all the time. So Nick is just like getting it in his blood and in his bones. And Nick is the is he, Nick is the he's the
2: bass player. Yes, that should be said. And the songwriter. Yeah. and the songwriter. But he's you're right. They're playing every single night. Yeah. Also, by the way, the, the pub rock it should be mentioned that it, uh, drinking plays an enormous role in pub rock, <laughs> from what I can tell. <laughs> uh, because you're at the pub totally. and uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it'd be the same anywhere, but uh, a lot of the stories about early Nick Lowe involve his, um, he's just a very heavy drinker and uh, was a lot like a, like a Paul Williams. It sounds like he was a blast to be around.
0: Right. Um, right. And so it becomes sort of like the, the, the center of the scene and the heartbeat for, for a lot of these characters, you know, the if, mm. if guy that's, that's funny, talented and larger than life and can like hold a, his drinks down, yeah. like, that guy's a winner. <laughs> yeah,
2: that guy's, he's in 1972, let's hang out with that guy. And he's, uh, they they really, he, they develop already into a bit of a cult, like a cult following. I kept reading the band, which I've never really, I like parts of their music and I, I just don't know enough, basically, but Dr. Feelgood is mentioned in, in almost every single one of these Descriptions and that Wilco Johnson is their guitarist with this incredible choppy style and uh, their singers Lee uh, Baru I think his name is and he's got a great voice but it never I always think of the
0: Motley Crue record I know I do too Um, but they are good I mean it's it's you know it's got kind of an Exile on Main Street vibe Dr Feelgood and again like you said you can't really nail down. Uh, a genre with with all this stuff. Eggs over easy is is sort of country folk. Uh, Dr Feelgood is kind of like bluesy rock, blues rock and roll stripped down. And then Brinsey Schwartz is bopping all over the place as far as types of songs. You got Country Girl, which is like kind of a straight ahead country song, and I'll, I'll play that. I want- And then you've got something like Ever Since You're Gone, which totally shifts gears. Baby,
1: you really ought to see state I'm in. Ever since you've gone, I'm losing out.
2: Like you know, I had, I had never heard either of those songs. That's that early Brinsley Swords for me. See, I, I entered the picture in nineteen seventy-two, really, with uh, again, one of these records I had to track down through like a mail order catalog, which is uh, Silver Pistol, which is their sort of all out attempt to create a British version of the band. Mm. Uh, heavily influenced by Jim Ford. Yeah, I love not Jim Tennessee Ford. Ernie Ford, Jim yeah. Ford
1: Born in Gossip <laughs> County.
2: well they they have decided that they just love Jim Ford and they record some that that's the album that i think at least it's very well reviewed silver Pencil. it doesn't make like none of these really sell that much but um i mean they 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 do an incredible cover of of Juju Man by um by Jim Ford this this song I mean, I like that stuff. I th- I think it it's very very charming.
0: They tour with wings in 1973.
2: I was gonna say there is they're on, they're on the tour with the school bus like those sort of yeah the red road speedway. They have to be on uh, in on the bus. They're that's on the, the bus. Things, I believe so. Oh, that's so cool. And, uh, I mean, they tour. Uh, Rockpile, Brinsley Schwartz. I mean, he tours with everyone. Very cool. They do a lot of they tour with with Van Morrison, they tour with early Bad Company, they tour with The Pretenders, they tour with uh, Elvis Costello, of course. Uh, He's, again, you get the sense that people really like spending time with Nick Lowe. And his greatest gift, we'll find out as a producer, because he really comes into his own as a producer, is that he, it's it wasn't so much that he was using all sorts of bunch of sonic tricks, but it's that he was making people feel good. He was a he was a, he was a master vibe, vibe setter.
1: I think the, the the importance of the producer's role is very much overemphasized. Yes, I mean everyone wants to be a producer now, and in fact, you know, in a lot of cases, you're just a geezer who goes in there and tells jokes, really, and you don't. You know, a lot of the best producers actually don't know anything about music at all. They're just sort of uh, comedians, you know, who keep things rolling along. Um, you know, you can sort of butt in and spoil the <laughs> spoil the whole thing. You know, spoil you know? the
0: party. It's it's really sort of about relationships, which is is really great. Well, they, they,
2: you know, they, they, they are in the studio a lot during this time, which I think is where he's honing his his craft. And, and there's the after Silver Pistol, there's Nervous on the Road, which has the Don't Lose Your Grip on Love, and the great song Nervous on the Road But Can't Stay at Home.
0: They're a backing band on a certain album, a certain debut album. Uh, oh, wait. Once in a Blue Moon. Do you know that album?
2: By Frankie Miller? Yes, indeed. I, I, what? I yes. didn't know that. No, I did I, not
0: know that. You got me. I've got to play this song for a friend of mine who loves this one song that he sent to me off Once in a Blue Moon. It's called Mailbox. You know this one? No.
2: Grizzly Schwartz backing him up.
0: Yep. God, I mean, you can just imagine what a good time Frankie Miller and Nick Lowe was just hanging.
2: And you know, by the way, speaking of good times, something that figures in pretty prominently is another one of these uh, pub rock bands, is named Clover. Oh yeah. It has uh, the 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 harmonica player. Uh-huh. And Co- Clover is none other than Huey Lewis.
1: Hello, Huey, old chap. Reginald Bixby. Oh yeah. How's the new album coming? Um, it's coming okay. Bit of a job following up the old sports, eh? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Oh well, best of luck, Huey. Thanks.
2: Way before the news entered the picture, but yeah, Huey yeah. Lewis is a is a becomes a, like a real friend of Nick Lowe's. He's a he's, they they're 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 mates.
0: And that's also how, you know, you, you talked about uh, Huey Lewis being friends with um, uh, Phil Linnett in our oh, yeah. Thin Lizzie <laughs> episode. And it's because he was he was with Clover when Clover came to the UK. Clover was like a psychedelic uh, San Francisco band that found their way over to the UK, just like eggs over easy. It's so... They
2: did better, in the, they did a lot more business in the UK touring than they ever did in, uh, in the States. Also, you know that's
0: a good time, just hanging with Huey.
2: Watch interviews with Huey Lewis, and you'll want to. People say that that Nick Lowe is one of the great interviews. Like he's he's a great interview. He's always saying interesting things, and that's pretty true. Huey Lewis is the same exact way.
0: He's always willing to tell you a story to a fault, like something that could incriminate him. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, he'll go ahead and tell you and be like, I shouldn't tell you this, but
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Brinsley Schwartz, he, Nick is always getting sort of sick of uh, the things that he's a part of, or he's, he's kind of growing beyond them, but the final record that they put together... He really is
0: a hipster. I mean, He's a
2: hipster,
1: yeah. You've got to have a sense of humor about it nowadays, otherwise you turn out, you'll start sounding like Journey or something like that. Don't no, say that. No, that's cruel. Oh, all right. Then Jefferson's
0: Starship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, he's over it
1: before it started.
2: I'm losing interest. You're like, uh, you're the lead singer and the songwriter.
1: What, what are we supposed to do now? <laughs> it uh, seems like It's but...
0: just not cool, man.
1: I want to get out before I start sliding downhill. So therefore, I'm looking around for something else different to do. And I can think of lots of things different to do. I'd, I'd go and work with my dad. I wouldn't be as happy as a sandboy as long as I can earn some buns. I mean, that's all I'm doing. And I'd rather play in the evenings. I'd be as happy as a sandboy strumming with him in the evenings. Until it runs out of fun. As soon as it stops being fun, I'm off. What a terrible attitude of despair. God. No. You're having the time of your life. You love it. You love music. And all the the songs you write, you think they're great. And you know the ones that you write are great. And you know the ones that are a bit... And you give them to me. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that's quite true. This is when Dave Edmonds enters the picture. Dave Edmonds is a Welsh kind of studio cat.
0: Uh, He's been like, around for a while, right? He's kicking around half, you know. at the same time as the Stones and the Beatles.
2: Yeah, Love Sculpture was his ba- early band. I, mean, I, oh, <laughs> I thought you were just how, telling how me How didn't go further, <laughs> Love Sculpture? <laughs> but uh, they did have some hits. Edmunds. He was known as like a bit of like a, a recluse, and uh, he would just spend all his time in the studio and recreating like Phil Spector sounds, and he was, he, he brought a studio craft that the, Brinsley Schwartz, the band, had really, re- did not want any high-tech stuff going on, they didn't, and, and, but they realized if they wanted to have any kind of audience, they needed the sound a little bit like they did live, a little bit, they need to capture some of that energy, so they, they get one final record out of the, the guys called The New Favorites of Brinsley Schwartz, um, which is a fantastic record. I mean, he, 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 it's, it begins with a song called What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. But my favorite song on this is called The Ugly Things, which it's, it's actually one of my favorite songs that Nick ever wrote. So here's The Ugly Things. I'm
1: gonna make it up to you somehow For all I've put you through For the ugly little things I Up to you somehow cause you understand so well Which something I can tell Is on my mind Yeah Oh
0: on my
2: mind Love that story
0: And he talks about what's so funny about peace, love and understanding He really kind of goes to that in, in interviews now as the moment, as sort of his first original song, Hmm. you know, he he was writing quote unquote original songs before that, but he talks about mimicking and like kind of getting his way through the songwriting process by, by mimicking things that he loved, his idols and writing copies of sort of his favorite styles of songs or his favorite songs and that uh, what's so funny about Peace Love and Understanding is sort of this, the first time he has the experience of like, you know, the gift. Mm. From out of the ether comes an idea and is kind of wholly original and wholly him because he's he's finally able to use all his influences to create something new rather than to create a copy. Um, And you also hear in that song uh, there's wit. It's all the stuff you were talking about: wit, emotion, and then there's the sound too—jangly guitars and sort of that poppy push. I mean, it's 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 a kind of a perfect pop song, and it's no wonder that it has a life, you know, long after.
2: Long after. That's. I mean, that's the song that like sends the kids to college, as 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 Paul yeah. Williams talks about. Um, <laughs> but it's it does more than that for him. What's interesting is you listen to the original version, there's a, he does like a little, he, he's such a hipster or such an ironist that he can't play it completely straight. The reason that Elvis Costello's version becomes the hit is because Costello brings out the anger in the song and the kind of uh, stridency and the, and the almost protest, uh, like, tell me what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. And, and Nick, he inserts like a spoken word part, Is like, there must be peace. And there must be love for the next generation. And you could tell he's hes almost taking it back, you know, and, and people don't know. Hey, it's the classic irony thing. Are you joking? Or are you serious? Or are you at the same time? And that's what makes it a Nick Lowe song. But it also is what I, one of the reviewers I read, that's sort of what keeps a lot of his music from being a hit is because people feel like, Am I not in on some sort of joke that I should be in? Am I supposed to take this seriously or not? Are you
0: making me feel stupid? Um, it happens a lot. A lot of his songs. Well, we'll we'll get to one later that I'll I'll, I'll sort of tell you a, a little um, story about listening to it. But but yeah, it it's kind of happens over and over again. I have attempted
1: to 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 actually write a commercial song, you know. But the thing is that people can always find you out people can find out they know that when they're being lied to I mean they can take the most awful drivel but generally that awful drivel is the people that, that, are, that are perpetrating it are totally convinced that it's absolutely wonderful and so they're in fact they're not sort of lying at all but if someone's sort of talk, talking down to the audience you know they, they can they can tell nowadays because people are much more cynical I think nowadays than they used to be and they can uh, they know all about the tricks of the trade really there's not too much mystery involved in it anymore
2: and so Brinsley it it it, uh, it, it fizzles out there and they never quite make it uh, though they play uh, just a enormous amount of shows uh, but his his connection with Edmonds is what sort of carries him forward um, in this time as we're talking 1974 Brinsley's still under a um, uh, manage or a uh, record deal that he they need to get out of in order for uh, him to form a new label with his friend who he's met at this point named Jake Riviera. Dave Robinson and Jake Riviera are the ones who end up founding uh, what has come to be known as Stiff Records, one of the great early independent labels. But in order to get Nick off of his label, uh, you know what they do, right?
1: No, they. Tell me. F- well, he records three straight songs about the Bay City Rollers. It was so utterly ghastly that I was rather proud of the way it was ghastly, you know, and uh, that it had been done so carefully.
2: It's, uh, I mean, very silly. You're like, wait, ha- wait there's, we're going to a roller show. <laughs> and they release it under other stuff. They keep turning in. They're like, okay, what, Nick, what's your next record? And it's like, well, here's another one about the Bay City Rollers. And uh, they said, you know, get the hell out of here, man. And that's what they're trying to, they kind of like the first song, I guess. And they're credited under like someone like a tartan horde or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're really trying to get him off of his label and through kind of very facetious means. Here's Roller Show, because the song's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: been a joke, but that's all right, because we're going to see Woody on stage.
2: Uh, I mean, I I love it. I like that song. He he like recorded it slower so that his he could speed up his vocal. He gets kids from the street outside to sing a chorus, and that's the, There's another one. There's like a Bay City Rollers. We love you is another song.
0: I uh, mean, it works because I, secretly, whether he'll admit it or not, he likes it. Right? Yes. It's a sweet poppy sound. It's like uh, there's a bonus track on the last album called Everybody. You know that one?
2: No, I don't.
0: It sounds like um, Sweet or Slade. It's so weird. It's like, you know, they're dubbed pub rock, and then they release this song that is like, you know, like a chanting sort of like bubblegum riot song. I mean, it really sounds like a Sweet (laughs) song.
2: Stiff records is the next big thing on the horizon they finally do get out of it and he, they form rock he forms rock pile with dave Edmonds he's he's recording with edmonds he's, he's he's kind of in the in the back of a lot of these things but um in in the background you listen to the Edmonds solo records from there there's like a it's a great great song on there called here comes the weekend uh, where they do um, they basically figure out how to do a uh, sort of an uh, everly brothers um, in the early 70s kind of pastiche because Edmonds loves doing sort of rockabilly and early rock and roll. Here's here's Here Comes the Weekend. You can hear that they wrote it together too. All I've on Monday Tuesday's
0: a good day Wednesday's a friend's day Thursday's a worst day is great Cause I can hardly wait Until the weekend I should be clocking in at 8 But I'm a little late Can't pay my baby Cause I'm still on a date 10 it's
1: Friday again Here comes
0: I
2: That's basically all you need to know about that song, but it's it's a good song. Oh, and you know, Edmonds on that same record, he starts it out with a with a, a killer cover uh, of Get out of, Get out of Denver by Bob Seeger. Yeah. And so he's, it, it, Edmonds is kind of known for his taste rather than and his production chops rather than his actual uh, songwriting, um, but.
0: It's so funny. There's an interview where it's, it's, it's basically it's in the studio um, with uh, Rockpile as they're working on uh, "Labor of Love," I think, and, and um, he has this moment where he's, he's talking about Dave Edmonds and he's just like,
1: "You know, I've been through a lot together, and sometimes uh, I get surprised about." Uh, Feeling affection towards Dave, he's not the most lovable creature in the world for God's sake, even though he's a great guitarist, a great singer, he's not the most lovable of of, uh, people sometimes. He's like a sort of elder brother or something like that to me, in fact. I'm much more demonstrative than Dave is, Dave is much sort of quieter, you know, when I get, I, I get much more excited much quicker than Dave does, And I tell him he's old and boring.
0: I mean, in so, many Nick words, said that? Yes. in so many words, he's like taking the piss out of Dave Edmonds and saying, like, the guy's kind of a snooze. Like, he doesn't get you excited about liking him as a oh, person.
2: It doesn't. He sounds like they, they, they keep the word that I read a lot in relation to Dave Edmonds is sort of uh, grumpy. Yeah. And, and withdrawn, a taciturn. Yeah. And uh, and yet he, he writes, he does these, he has hits over and over again. And his voice is wonderful. Um, and he really knows how to stack harmonies, and he gives Nick really that that bright, uh, trebly y um, pop sound that, that he's able to use with Costello. Cause, oh, so, so 1976, they formed the label Stiff, and Nick is the first single with So It Goes. And, uh, you know, when I was really getting into Nick Lowe, So It Goes was the first uh, song that I listened to, and I thought, wait a second, this is everything I like about music.
1: save a bit of power you got 50,000 watts and a big acoustic tower security's so tight tonight oh, they're ready for a tussle to keep your backstage passes cause your promoter had the muscle. I saw so it goes I saw so it goes I saw so it goes
2: I saw so it goes just perfection Always
0: that's all. totally did you read that um the single uh, was funded by Lee Brilio from Doctor Feelgood for four hundred pounds. He, he's the one who like, he
2: he seeds the money to these guys. And Stiff Records is known; it's it's really got a reputation, you know, all these years later, partly because it has the, one of the coolest logos that's really ever been ever been made. But it's it's absolute anarchy, and uh, they release what's also known as the very first um,
1: British punk single. Punk made the kids realize again that rock and roll is the property of young people it ain't some businessman in an office who dictates what's going on it made the kids say Christ I can do that I can I can make that I can make a better sound than that and with words that are more relevant
2: Lowe becomes the, the 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 what they call it the label producer he becomes the staff producer he's producing everything out of stiff between 1976 and 1978 and the damned come in and there are these punks and they put out new rows. Um, and it's really regarded as the first punk single.
1: i got a feeling inside of me. It's kind of strange, like a story see I don't know why, I don't know why. I guess these things have got to be. I got a new rose,
0: I got to good. I that I would. And that beats out the Sex Pistols by like a couple months, as far as like the first punk single. But I mean it's all happening there in 76. I mean this is this is boiling up and this sound is a sensation.
2: Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that actually comes out of stiff is does not sound like that. It it just is a little less um I don't know, aggression to it or that kind of overdrive uh, uh, Ramones-y type feel. But um, it does have, Stiff does have the punk attitude. And uh, partly because it's Jake Rivera and uh, Dave Robinson who are the two guys sort of the head of this thing. And they've got this roster that they assemble, which is Elvis Costello and Graham Parker in The Rumor. Uh, You have Reckless Eric. You have Nick Lowe. And Nick is not, at that point, up until then, he's not really that interested in production, but Edmonds has taught him some things. And clearly, he embodies the spirit of this place. So uh, they put him in the producer's room,
1: and magic just happens. Well, you've got to have your records so they come out of the radio at you. The whole game is to try and make your record sound louder than anyone else's. And everyone's got their tricks that they try. But uh, for me, the secret is to get the drums sounding loud and then you have to have a good vocal performance. So it's very important to get the, get the drums right.
2: Before we go further, can I give you some of the list of like the, the slogans, the advertising yeah, yeah, that yeah. Stiff Records would do is, um, well, the most famous one is, uh, if it ain't stiff, it ain't worth the fuck. If you can't be sure, be stiff. Stiff Records, undertakers to the industry. But stiff Records, never give up when you can give in. Stiff Records, round records for square people. Hit records for missing people. Even our socks smell of success. There's no business like business. (laughs) Uh, The world's most flexible record label. uh, Where money makes money um the vinyl is final and then the famous uh, the last one is we came we saw we left <laughs> that's stiff records that's if and they would do these package tours and there's a there's a documentary of like the the last package tour and it just is um of course it couldn't hang together because it's 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 consciously not the bloated Prague and everything but um it's still rock and roll, you know. There's, there's, there's no glam. There's a, but there's, there's a real uh, punch you in the guts with uh, attitude um, feeling and, and to this.
0: Also, there's so much talent flowing through and so much excitement around an, a new sound and, right as you said, being sort of anti-mainstream. Um, uh, I, I have to sort of take us down a side road for a second because I feel like it's going to be our our only opportunity uh, to talk about Motorhead on uh, The Well of Sound. You said
1: Motorhead will be the dirtiest rock and roll band in the world. We are. If we move next door, your lawn would die. It has.
0: <laughs> Motorhead had a stiff single, um, it was called White Line Fever, that was on their 77 sort of stiff singles compilation. But as I dug deeper on the, the Motorhead stuff, because I, 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 I love them, um, I'm always fascinated, <laughs> it, it, no matter how many times I hear it, uh, that Lemmy was in Hawkwind, which is sort of a, like a, a, a prog, experimental, like, psychedelic band. I mean, it changed over the years. Um, but so Lemmy was in Hawkwind, got uh, arrested in Canada on a drug charge um, and get kicked out of Hawkwind, So then, in '75, he uh, he puts together uh, a trio, um, and it's not the, the the final trio that is that is Motorhead, um, but it's Larry Wallace who ends up being one of the the um, the he artists really on stiff, stiff and one yeah. of the one of the producers, um, and Lucas Fox on on drums and. Uh, for a, for a hot second, the, the producer on their 1975 album called On Parole is Dave Edmonds. But Larry Wallace, I think, is also sort of developing his, his producer and songwriting skills to you know, be part of this stiff records crew. And I just have to play this, at, at least this one song. Um, oh God, I might have to play two songs. Yes, is the answer. <laughs> this yes. song is called Fools. And it's not Lemmy singing lead. Um, it is Larry Wallace singing lead. And to me, it sounds like an Alice Cooper song.
2: But this came out a,
0: under Motorhead. Under Motorhead in seventy five. It wasn't released until seventy nine when Motorhead uh, actually kind of took off. But Man, uh, if this Lemmy song, came up
2: with the name Hawkwind and Motorhead are the best rock and roll like best band names ever. I mean Dave Edmonds could learn a few things or two after love sculpture. I mean you
0: <laughs> why wasn't he paying attention Motorhead come on give me more so Edmonds is credited for uh, being the producer on one of the uh, the demos or one of the takes of, of the song Motorhead by Motorhead another ballsy that's a bad company move right there is <laughs> Motorhead by Motorhead but that's a great song but I'm going to play Fools
2: Totally hear the Alice Cooper thing you mentioned. Right? It sounds yeah. like
0: Billion Dollar Babies or something. It's great. Um, that's about all the managers and the agents that try to screw them. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, <laughs> he says it right at the out. This is for all the agents and the managers. Um, uh, Larry Wallace also, this is, I found this so interesting, he was in a band called Shagrat with Steve Peregrine Took from Tyrannosaurus Rex.
2: Peregrine Took is, is really... Is, is uh-huh. He's the
0: other guy in Tyrannosaurus oh. Rex. Oh, wow. Okay. Soon to become T-Rex. Um, so they're kicking around together, probably also with uh, Twink and the what will become uh, the Pink Fairies, who are also stiff records, uh, uh, have stiff records singles. But um, I just have one more song to play you. And it's relevant. I promise. I'm ready. Uh, do you know the song Leaving Here? By uh, Holland Dozer Holland. Yeah,
2: yeah, I love that
0: song. So does Lemmy. Hey, fellas, have you heard the news? So the windows
1: town have been misused. Say all in a dream last night. And i leaving this town because it don't feel right. Because I'm leaving.
2: Oh, that's such a good song. Man, Holland does your Holland. They just, I think you do no wrong. The, the early, the Who covers
0: that song early on. It's a great song, but I feel like Lemmy really is attracted to it because it's, it's kind of a nightmare. He's like, all the, all the women are leaving town. <laughs> it's a, it's like his worst nightmare. I have one story, which is that the, I, I saw Lemmy in person one time. and uh, You did? Yeah, I did. And I shook his hand. Um, it was at a strip club. <laughs> and he had about, like, four ladies with him. I just love that this is a song about, like, guys, you better pay attention or all the ladies are going to leave town. They might leave this state. They might leave this country. So don't blow it.
2: I mean, that song is real, like, like a call to arms. Like, let's let's treat our ladies better. Well, that's really cool. I, didn't, I, I had no idea we were going down a Motorhead uh, rabbit hole today. I didn't either
0: until, like, a couple days ago. I was like, wait a minute. Click here, click there. And it's all sort of... Tied together. I mean, Sid Barrett sort of like flows in and out of this story. It's 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 just wild. Like,
2: well, what about what about Declan McManus? Are we going to talk about him? Because he's a. This is a. Tell me. Um, well, it, it, Declan McManus is the the non the real name of Elvis Costello.
1: Let's talk a bit about Janem. Was that a bold stroke on your part? Did you invent it? Uh, well, it was sort of a combination of ideas between my manager and I. It was to make people think again. You know, if you call yourself. Boris Marks or something then people are going to go what? And that's the reason why that's the end of the you know that's the end of it there's more to the than that
2: again a lot of these people are sort of they are fans of Nick Lowe and a Brinsley Schwartz too right he's a scene stern but he's a young kid and he keeps sending tapes and tapes and tapes and uh, Nick Nick actually listens to a lot of this stuff and uh, they get him in the studio with I, I believe it's clover backing him on the uh, on that that first record not um, Huey though no. my aim is true no Huey
0: and no Jeff Percaro who was also part of Clover at one point is that a Jeff fact Piccaro from Toto yeah Me too, all
2: the way. Well, that just that just blows my mind. Well, isn't that something? The Toto is, I mean, there's nothing those guys aren't a part of. (laughs) Nothing. Uh, Well, anyway, so Elvis, uh, the way that I actually originally got into Nick Lowe, now that we're talking, we've got to this point of the story, is is through Elvis's covers, because he did a bunch of covers of Nick Lowe, and Nick Lowe was his producer. He produced the first five Elvis Costello records, and he's known, you know, his, his, his production style, he's called Basher, which he says is actually a reference to like an old, you know, RAF uh, joke about uh, reference, but it, it, most people think it's because he just likes to record people live and get it down, and he can he record hundreds of songs really fast because it's all about vibe, and yet it's a, there's clearly a lot more than that going on because these these records all sound pretty fantastic.
1: Uh you said something about you have the ability to pick style out of other people. Is that the record producer's job? Well, that sounds like a lot of flannel to me actually, but uh I, as a record producer, yeah, you have to uh take the artist that you're producing and find out the best way to get them bring out the record out of them. Sometimes they don't know themselves. You, you produce know. your own things? Yeah. It's, it's you know difficult. yourself that well? It's difficult to do it in this environment by myself, but uh, um, now, it's much easier to do other people, actually, than my own.
2: So you have My Aim is True, and then you have this year's model, which is where Elvis is sound, it, he gets Steve Naeven, and it becomes very heavily organ based. Uh, they, they, that, that's sort of the original Angry Young Man record, is this year's model. It's not my favorite of his records, I gotta say. like I almost can't listen to it because it's so caustic, Uh, even though I love Radio Radio. Um, I would rather listen to My Aim is True, but I'd really rather listen to Armed Forces, which is the the third record, and it's the one that has Oliver's Army on it, which is um, they consciously try to uh, rip off ABBA for Oliver's Army, which is not working until they decide they're going to they're gonna make it sound like ABBA. And here's all of the beginning of Oliver, Oliver's Army. Think about Dancing Queen, or Waterloo, better yet. Think about Waterloo as you listen to this. Of just a pop pop tour de force. And accidents will happen is on that record. Busy Bodies. I I, I happen to really enjoy that record, but the one actually I listened to the most of all of the Nick Lowe, Elvis Costello records, um, over the years has been Get Happy. Uh, Get Happy is the is the fourth one, and that's got uh, I can't stand it for falling down, which is a cover. It's got the song High Fidelity, and it's got this song, which is my one of my also favorite uh, Nick Lowe productions of all time. It's called Men F- Called Uncle. Yeah. Now, people often talk about Elvis Costello as being kind of proto-punk, um, but the, there were too many chords, and the musicians were too good. If you listen to the bass lines being played by, I think it's um, Bruce Thomas, or Pete Thomas, uh, one of the Thomases, there there's so many notes. Um, one of the re- the alchemy that was going on was, was Nick Lowe's uh, interest in simplicity and directness and humor, coming through Cause Nick is a songsmith and a wordsmith, just like Elvis is maybe different. I mean, Elvis is always a, maybe, uh, more of an acquired taste for some folks, but, um, but just such a, such an intense person where Nick seems to be like a, a little bit more of the life of the party.
0: He talks about, um, sort of the, tr- the transition that happens there in that relationship of, you know, Elvis is, is, the new kid on the block he says that gradually across those albums it just totally shifts where nick's kind of along for the ride and elvis is the visionary and and yeah and he becomes the producer essentially
2: Yeah. well the, the energy flowing out of elvis costello during these years i mean he just is a lot of amphetamines i think but also yeah. um a lot of uh what does he say early on he's like um like, why don't you write love songs? He said, I, I'm only interested in writing about guilt and revenge. <laughs> I think that's one of his famous lines and he he famously punches Steven Stills in, in some drunken fight somewhere <laughs> I, th- I think there's there's some like great story about that in rock lore.
0: I was thinking back on on my my sort of first impression of this kind of music and, and it was on do you remember when Saturday Night Live did their 15th anniversary special and it was sort of a compilation of all the old sketches and and um, and then there was there's like an eight minute um, compilation of the musical acts oh yeah and they're amazing right yeah. it's all it's everything I know, I know what's coming see. yeah okay and I just as a kid not knowing anything sort of outside of, of the mainstream when I saw Lori Anderson, I was like, what the? (laughs) And then David Byrne, and I'm like, what the? And then Devo, and then Bowie in a dress, (laughs) and then uh, Tom Waits sounding like nothing I had ever heard before, and then Costello with the set and stopping the music right and then going into He's radio doing less radio than zero yeah going into radio radio and i'm oh, sorry so ladies and gentlemen, and gentlemen. No i was just this like song what here. like I, I i couldn't fathom this sort of basically what is you know art, music as art yeah. rather than music as just pop consumption and it was a total shift for me. I, I remember it seeing Elvis Costello and being like, "Whoa, this I mean, changes everything."
2: Costello has that intensity that that, that the punk and the punk intensity of the sort of this is life or death. I'm not kidding around. I'm not your entertainer. I'm here to get something across and get it across like it, 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 confrontationally. All right, well what happened there? You changed songs or something? You yeah. Called.
1: Well, I thought it was a live show because uh, something about the title sort of suggests it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the number that we. Uh, we were sort of bullied into doing, because uh, in those days, uh, the
0: record company used to be able to
1: lean on us and say, you must do, must promote the product, the product,
0: mm-hmm. the rock and
1: roll, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I didn't honestly feel that the song, it was actually a song that was written about in a very English situation, and it didn't really fit, and we had a new number, which at that time wasn't recorded, about radio, and I thought, well, golden opportunity to, uh, to play it in front of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So we just did it spontaneously, you know. And uh, but uh, evidently, uh, it's not that lie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: the other person in here that we we haven't talked about, who's often paired with Elvis Costello, I don't think it's quite fair. They're just both slightly wordy and have a lot of bile in their stomachs. Is is uh, uh, Graham Parker? And uh, those records oh, yeah. have been more latter-day uh, discoveries for me. But Nick uh, produces, I think, three. Grant Parker records he produces two or possibly three Dr. Feelgood records he's just producing everything it's a two hour a two year stretch where they're doing nothing but basically drinking and making music and the funny thing is is that a lot of this stuff is is big hits like they keep throwing stuff up the charts.
0: Like yeah yeah, yeah. They, whole they, wide world
1: right whole
2: wide world by reckless eric that's a good song ian, great song. ian dury's in there they're like they, they keep having hits and so the money's coming in and um
0: but of course and pretenders you, happen sort of in this
2: yeah and well jesus of cool happens before that happens which is right. nick finally but puts uh, out just
0: the... also does it, does it,
2: brinsley Schwartz
0: ends up as part of the rumor right yeah brinsley Schwartz the 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 the, the person not the band yeah the person right. And Bob Andrews, who's also in the band, ends up in, in Graham Parker's
2: band. And that's Graham, Graham Parker's band. And Graham Parker's awesome. So... And Ian Gom
0: also was in Brinsley Shorts and does Hold On, Hold On, Hold On.
2: Ian Gomm. I mean, unfortunately, that's not very rock and roll of a of a name. They 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 hired him when they heard about his songs he'd played, but then like when they actually met him and he just didn't have the look. they were all they're all trying to look like West Coast hip, right? American hippies, and here comes this sort of very ginger-looking guy, and they're like, "Oh, are we are we gonna do this?" He's like
0: the uh, the psychic vampire, and uh, what we do in the shadows. <laughs> <Everybody's> <laughs> like, Colin
2: Robinson. God. He's. He, but Ian Gomm co-writes "Cruel to Be Kind," so we owe him all that's a debt right. of gratitude. But Nick is uh, Nick puts out finally "Jesus of Cool,"
0: which expands on the EP from '77, right, which is called uh, Bowie, uh, Bowie <laughs> with no E because Bowie had uh, an album called "Low," uh, with no E because he wasn't talking about Nick Lowe, but Nick Lowe thought it would be funny if he was, right?
2: I mean, they're always there. Th- that's the attitude that's happening. I think it's a joke that is kind of silly at this point, or almost embarrassing. It's embarrassing, right? But uh, that's what they were doing that constantly. The
0: the big single off Jesus of Cool is I Love the Sound of Breaking Glass, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't you think it's weird that on Bowie's album Low, there's a song called Breaking Glass?
2: I think it's. I don't. I, th- that's mentioned in the book. I don't know if it's if it's linked together, but it's definitely happening.
1: I love the sound of breaking glass. is is a great record, but it's just a crappy song. Yeah, it really doesn't really make any sense. But it was a big hit, and it because it, it, it's the whole thing makes it. So
2: Rockpile is, is, is coming together, but Nick has recorded most of this sort of with other people. And uh, Jesus of Cool comes out, and it's got, it does have, so it goes on it. But um, it's got a song called Mary Provost, which is about a, you know, a silent movie star who gets eaten by her dog. And um, it's got a song called uh, Little Hitler, which I love. It's, got, it's very Phil Spectory. One of my favorite songs on there is called Nutted by Reality. And uh, here's "Nutted by Reality." It's by the way, in America, Jesus of Cool was retitled "Pure Pop for Now People," uh, because they were worried about which was a
0: subtitle, right?
2: Blasphemy or something. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's still of the English version. It's an incredible title, "The Pure Pop for Now People." Here's "Nutted by Reality."
1: Castro, I heard they cut off everything he had. What a dirty, low-down thing to do! They mess him up like that. They dumped him in the jungle in the land of the sugar cane. Ever since the day they fiddled around, said it ain't never been the same. I say ooh la, I say ooh la, say ooh la.
2: That song also has like a beautiful like second part. So they're 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 punk by ethos, but like what's coming out is pop music. Um.
0: And the wordplay is you know sometimes I heard they castrated Castro is just fun to say. It's like he can't resist. You know it doesn't mean anything to him. No. It's just kind of a beautiful thing, <laughs> and he can't resist.
1: Doesn't matter what the words are as long as it sounds right. as Long as the beat is there. That's all that's important. The world's gonna keep on turning, whether we do uh, this
2: or not. Uh oh. There's a passage in the book where he says that, like, he 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 was talking to his publisher and he looked at all the titles of songs that he had, you know, trademarked or whatever during during his wilderness years, and it's just one bad pun after another. And he's so embarrassed by it. He's like, I just, I never saw a pun. I didn't I didn't make into a song title.
0: Also on that album is uh, Born a Woman. If you're born a woman, you're born to be hurt. Is, is another one of those lyrics and, and um, concepts that makes you wonder what the singer is intending. It's the same thing as, as um, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. You know, like, where does, where does he stand on this? Is he, is
2: he... Is he pulling my leg? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't... Yeah. It's a great song, though. But
2: that's why he, the major pop stardom eludes him. But th- So Rockpile then comes together. Rockpile which by the bass is him and Dave edmonds and then Billy Bremner on guitar and Terry Williams on uh drums and they're all sort of have credentials. This is why this is the, basically a supergroup. And um yeah. as someone as one of the stiff records uh slogans for the when Rockpile finally releases a record it was uh four promising solo careers bite the dust. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it seems maybe that it's Dave and I's group with a front men, and probably, you know, at the moment, I think we are, because we've had our mugs in the papers more than Billy and Terry, but in fact, it is a group, it's a very equal sort of basis that we're on.
2: So, Rock Pile happens, they don't record on their own name, because get this, uh, Dave Edmonds signs to Swan Song, which is Led Zeppelin's label.
0: Oh, that's right. Because
2: Robert Plant really likes David Edmund, Dave Edmonds, and uh, Peter... Also, he likes The Damned a lot, evidently. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I know that Peter Grant, who's the famous Led Zeppelin manager, is yeah. like a, 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 a giant man who's voracious, and every every description of him is just like, sounds like he's uh, uh, the penguin or something. He, he's, he's, uh, he won't let Dave out of his contract, so they're not allowed to record under the name Rockpile. So instead, Rockpile, the band, including Nick, record... Dave's solo records, Tracks on Wax, Volume 4, and and uh, um, Repeat When Necessary, and they record, uh, it's it's like the Wilburys almost, who rec- were who actually the backing band for, Traveling Wilburys were backing band for Full Moon Fever and for Cloud Nine and, um, you know, all these other records. So you have, um, but they, they, they also do uh, Labor of Lust, which is Nick's next solo record. Before we do that, can we
0: play Girl Talk? Oh, yeah.
2: That's a that Costello wrote that. Yeah, that, that's a big hit for him. And they record a Billy Bremner song called uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, which on that record, that's like, all those records have a lot to recommend them. I mean, to me, I, I get a little tired of Dave Edmonds uh, sort of rockabilly thing. Um, uh, rock pile, they are always described as being like uh, Chuck Berry music played extremely fast and with a lot more edge. Um, but the general consensus is that, the, is that they were a better live band than they were a uh, actual studio band.
0: Well, I will say that there's like an hour doc just following them in the studio as they're recording some of these songs, mm-hmm. including... I think it's actually called Born Fighter. Um, and you watch them put together Born Fighter and you get Nick's narration as it's happening... He's getting hammered. (laughs) So you watch him sort of get a little sloppier as it goes and you see Dave kind of storm in and storm out and grump out. See, the thing is that you can't do this sort of thing
1: unless you're on drugs. Hey, calm down, champ. You've got a big fight coming up. What I mean is that you can't do this sort of thing unless you sort of concentrate (laughs) on it. Can you? That's right, champ. yeah. That's, yeah, right. say, that's yeah. what I would have thought. It's, okay. it's all right, calm down, right. OK, well, just... You know, all you got to do is just play in time, you know, it's all. Oh, it's is that fun. all?
0: It's just, it's fun. You really feel like you're there and you're getting a piece of it. And uh, you get to see... He explains how um, his 8-track philosophy works and layering the harmonies um, and how well they work together—it's—it's it's really, it's really fun to watch. But uh, Born Fighter would be a fun song oh, yeah. to play, I think. Song. there's something like really satisfying about watching them put it together and then when they play that final version mm-hmm. for, and they hear it for the first time it's so wonderful you just see these little smiles like creep up with on, on all their faces as they realize that like, ah,
2: we, fucking did it. we made a good it's song good. I mean, I, there's a song in there called You Make Me, which is a, a really quiet song, which I thought was beautiful. He said that he used to write songs when his bandmates were sleeping in the hotel rooms, and that's how he got the sound. He did the idea to do a really, really soft song. Here's, here's part of You Make Me You
1: make me. It's out of my hands, you see. do wrong to you you
0: make me that song um is a Basing street mm-hmm. is that how you pronounce that's it that's a um, outtake yeah endless sleep on on the on jesus of cool those three I songs stand to out to me as a real sort of indicator of where he's gonna go eventually yeah. that really has staying power power as he transitions out of the '70s and out of his '70s sound, which is so defined by this rock pile stuff, um, so it's interesting to see those songs here. Uh, they're glimpses of the future, I think.
2: That's really, I mean, the rock pile is just records with everyone during this time, and um, most of the stuff sounds more like Born Fighters than it sounds like You Make Me and Endless Sleep. Um, it, this is also the period, though, where he meets Carlene Carter.
1: You know, it just seems like yesterday that Carlene was always around the house at home, and my goodness, now she lives 3,000 miles away in London. I know, Mom, mm. but I'm here now, and I'm glad to be here, <laughs> and i am sitting on the stage with you. I know. Goodness, I tell you, your, your music's a little bit different than ours, you know, just like Johnny Cash music is different from Carter family music, but we love all kinds of music, and we love your kind of music, too, so let's just listen a little bit. I'd like for you to hear from my little bitty grown-up daughter carlene carter
2: Carleen carter is the daughter of june carter cash and uh, her first husband uh june carter meaning married to johnny cash and uh she's she's sort of up and coming she had had a couple records out they meet in london and they just become friends and head over heels and they get married so all of a sudden nick Lowe. Is the son-in-law of Johnny Cash. <laughs> and
0: right, which is in its own way probably a dream come true. And the warm sunshine
1: is like a stranger There's a cruel violation with the dawn Lord, my pain can't stand illumination And one of these cold, lonesome mornings I'll be gone
2: I think it's complicated. I think that, that yeah, I Nick, that Johnny really likes Nick, and uh, it, there's a lot. There's you can look on YouTube because the the song "The Beast in Me," which Johnny ends up singing, that Nick kind of writes for him. There's a like a ten year gestation period.
1: Well, he was a little uh, shy about playing it for me. You know, here I am, father in law, and he didn't want to push songs to me, and uh, he almost refused to let me have it for a long time. Until we talked him into it.
2: The marriage doesn't doesn't actually go the distance um, but there's some happy years there and and, and, and Rockpile is the backing band for um, uh, Carleen Carter's album Musical Shapes which is a great record and bl- Blue Nun. Here's a song from from that uh, I'll just do the first song uh, call, I'll do a song called Too Bad About Sandy.
1: Sandy lost your head to a man with no heart Believe That down and love that cold cash, love that cold cash. Won't mess with I'm the low life. i love the sweet, low life. Glad I'm not mad. it's just too bad. If
2: I, I mean, that's that's a killer, that's a killer tune
0: That whole album, like that, that's one of my favorite finds out of all this is, is that album. musical I mean, shapes it is just it's packed with with dynamite song I mean, she's
2: singing in a country style but not really over over slightly more like new wavy songs and um i mean
0: there's a there's a, and again rock Pyle is is the backing band for
2: rock pile is the backing band i mean there's a there's a there's a famous story where she uh does a concert and johnny and june end up showing up at it but she doesn't know they're there and she introduces one of her song by saying uh this will put the, the the see you next tuesday back in country music and she uses the actual word and uh then has to really <laughs> grovel in front of her mother and uh johnny uh, but those both those records and, and the Blue Nun record, which Nick co-writes a lot of the songs, they're impossible to find. That, that you know, it, It's not on Spotify or anything. The other one is Musical Shapes, you can hear. It's great. So the, um, Rock Pile records a record that most people agree does not capture the magic of Rock Pile, yet it includes one of my favorite Nick Lowe songs, which is called When I Write the Book. Um, oh, yeah. And teacher teacher is Teacher time. Teacher is was written by the guys who were in the creation. They only did singles. Everyone who it was like a little bit of like a velvet underground type thing. Everyone who had those singles loved them. And uh, then they went nowhere and then all, they reappear by doing teacher teacher.
1: Young love teachers pets cheeks flushed, apples.
2: So it's a it's it's a, it's a fun record to listen to. I, I still don't. It doesn't live up to when you keep hearing Rockpile is one of the greatest bands of the late '70s, and you hear that record, you're like, really? Because this feels like pretty
0: regular, pretty. I think that's why I sort of like bounced off them. You know, when I heard Rockpile was so important, like in the early 2000s, and, and finally tracked that Rockpile record down, I was like, eh, this is what, yeah, this is what I'm waiting for. And so it just kept me away.
2: So they do the Carlene stuff. Uh, they, they, Nick, Nick and Nick and Dave sort of have a falling out, even though Dave's finally out of the swan song thing.
1: I don't give a shit how you care, mate. I'm just telling you, like, my, I heard all that crap you came out with, and I'm reacting to it, and it, I think it's stupid. Really stupid. Well, that's why I think you
2: and me are friends. And thus begins, basically, the... Um, what can be called Nick's like kind of long, slow slide of the '80s, and there's some really great songs in there. Um, and he's still producing cool records, but but yeah, like T Bird Rhythm, the T Bird, the fabulous Thunderbirds. He produces. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's he's around. I think the drinking is is becoming consuming, and it, his, ah. his 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 struggle to get sober is takes up a lot of the '80s and his divorce. I found out that he was asked to write the songs for the movie Top Secret with Val Kilmer, the early Zucker Brothers uh-huh. film, um, uh-huh. and he did. He went and, and watched the movie and wrote the songs, and they didn't use a single one of them.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been cool? I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a girl he met in a restaurant who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist, only the loser to a childhood lover who she'd last seen on a deserted island and who turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French underground.
0: I know. It, it all sounds like some bad movie i think there's a lot of good stuff in in the 80s oh i don't mean mean to dismiss it dig for it stick it where the sun don't he's not as
2: cool during this period but oh i forgot to mention chrissy hines cites him as one of the reasons the pretenders come together in the early days because james honeyman scott who's the guitar player of the early pretenders he was obsessed with nick lowe and he refused to come to london and like kind of come part of this band and then chrissy's like well what if i get nick lowe to produce a song and they, then, then he comes and it's, they go with this King's cover. The Kings cover Stop Your Sobbing and Chrissy Hine ends up marrying Ray Davies of the Kinks. it's all right. it's all a happy happy time I guess but he only does that song or, and the, the B-side but it's pretty good
0: Chrissy Hine's voice and her lyrics are are Striking. She's incredible. I mean,
2: she's also another a- amazing interview. Look yeah. for interviews with Chrissy
0: Hine. She She's not she bored. on the scene. <laughs>
2: she's, no. she, she knows everyone and she's got
0: lots to say. She's game to talk about. Yeah, right. She'll tell all the stories.
2: Um, so okay, so the, well, let, let's go. The records that you he he puts out in the '80s. You have after Labor of Lust. There's Nick the Knife, which is a
0: <laughs> which is not a cool name or a good look on, no. the, on the cover of him like as the shadow.
2: There's yeah. a song on there called Couldn't Love You More Any More Than I Do which I think is pretty great, but by and large, he is at the same time he's cope he's pretty like too many teardrops. That's co-written with Carlene and that's uh, he's he's producing a Paul Carrick of Squeeze uh, who wrote Sang Tempted. He's producing his first solo record. Uh um And it's a great record. It's like, that was one of my major discoveries of this, is the Paul Carrick Carrick, um, Suburban Voodoo, it's called. He writes a lot of songs. And it's like twice the record that Nick the Knife is, which is a little, uh, I guess, sad. But uh, Nick the Knife is followed by, what's the next one? The Abominable Showman.
0: Yeah, which has uh, We Want Action, which I think is a decent song. Um, other than that, I didn't really pay too close attention until uh, his cowboy outfit, <laughs> which comes next in '84, and that has LAFS, which I sent you the other day.
2: It does. Bominal Showman does have the song Time Wounds All Heals, which is one of these kind of puns, but I love that song. So, sorry, Nick Lowe and his cowboy outfit, LAFS. What does that stand for, Lex?
0: Love at first sight, baby. <laughs> Uh, it has this 80s sort of Glenn Campbell sound. It was
2: produced by Elvis Costello. It's the only time he ever produced Nick himself. Oh,
0: really? Should we listen to it?
1: I used to live like a villain in a wonderland. I've overheard it said that I've been on the hand. But then came you and out of the blue... He doesn't
2: like that song, but I love it. Really? Well, that's I, I, that's what he says. He he's on a contract that has him like doing a record a year.
1: Do you write for the charts or do you write for yourself? Damn right, I write for the charts. There's there's no uh, there's no point in in making a record really without without intending for someone to buy it. You know all that stuff about oh no man you know I can't I can't you know uh, be bothered with that commercial scene. You know that's.
0: That's just horse feathers, that is.
2: (laughs) The next one is The Rose of England, which most people agree is a lot better than the others.
0: I like that song a lot. And it has I Knew the Bride.
2: Though. It's got I Knew the Bride, which was produced by Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis? Oh! And you
0: can
2: hear Huey singing on I Knew the Bride. When she's really? Writing. Also,
0: the video is very Huey Lewis, and I wouldn't be surprised if Huey maybe directed it. Uh, that's, that's worth a little research, but I know Huey Lewis in the news directed all their videos, I, um, which are hilarious, by the way. That's that's, wor- that's worth, like, a half an hour of your YouTube time just watching old Huey uh, Lewis But sp-
2: speaking of... Uh, Nick Lowe music videos the clip uh, the clip for Cruel to be Kind was shown on the very first day of MTV oh. That's true and it's, it's the footage from his actual wedding to Carleen Carter with Rockpile oh. there like and they, they filmed a couple things the day before here's Rose of England though it's such a good song for her
1: backless boy she did weep and wail well. saying Lord have mercy where did I fail out my belly pick up a gun off all the roads of England. God knows it's a cold outside, it's a cry my day and folds by night I know it's a hell out there How loud the mouth and the heart don't
2: care His marriage is breaking up during the, this this record, but I think he's sober so then then you get pinker and prouder than previous in 1988
0: oh yeah i skipped that one it's uh
2: it's it's him trying to go like lo-fi intentionally i think a lot of the drums are recorded on uh on like uh cardboard boxes there's a there's an amazing um cover of a john hyatt song called love gets strange and John Hyatt will play plays a role and he, he John Hyatt it's this should be just a footnote, but John Hyatt grabs Rye Cooter and Jim Keltner, the famous drummer, and gets Nick to play bass in this little super group called Little Village. And uh, it's universally acknowledged that Little Village uh, was an amazing live act, and the record stinks. I mean, they, they, they put millions of dollars into this record, literally millions of dollars in this record, and it went nowhere, and John Hayek got all the blame. But um, it's uh, y- you can find it, and basically, it used to be a mainstay of every uh, bin. It le- yeah, group. it's definitely one of those supergroups.
0: Super Four supergroups. Um, so 90 brings Party of One, which I think marks i i don't know what the actual reception of the album is uh but for me it definitely marks a shift in tone he's about 40. i, I
1: certainly never thought that i'd be i'd be still doing it at 40. no indeed but the thing is you see that, I, that now i i i i really think that i'm just getting so or well, starting to get good you know just think i'm now i'm starting to get good I think I'll be real great when I'm 60, Apart the fact that I think I'm going to look fantastic when I'm 60. That's going to be the main thing. I'm going to look wild when I'm 60, but I also I think my voice is going to sound great. And I'm going, to be, I'm going to know how to write a song when I'm 60. I'm just starting to get good now, so I think 20 years time I think I'll be happening. Really seriously happening.
0: He's basically talking about sort of the long game of the next twenty years, and he, he's not wrong. Like he dials in his sound for the net for the albums that follow, and for me, I, I was totally surprised that I was one hundred percent on board with this new sound that is is sort of a real throwback and and totally romantic. Yep. And and while the songs are still infused with humor and wit and puns and all of that they're they're much more heartfelt yeah. than they ever have been before um with the exception of uh, right at the beginning here a party of one all men are liars yes
2: all men are liars it's a it's a, a I think it's a great song
0: it's a great song but today was the first time I heard the lyric about Rick Astley. <laughs> he, 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 he's... Why does he call it? What's wrong with Rick Astley? I can't think of anybody that's more harmless than Rick Astley. And he's like, Well, do you remember Rick Astley?
1: He had a big fat pit It was ghastly. He said, I'm never gonna
0: just like he couldn't resist the rhyme of Astley and, and
1: then
2: But then like Rick Astley, that song becomes such a cultural phenomenon like another 10 years later where everyone's rickrolling each other and it's this uh, all men are liars and Rick Astley is like the, at the top of the heap because you're right.
0: Just shit on, <laughs> just shit on Rick Astley.
2: There's actually a music video for that that's pretty embarrassing, but it, it's, really it's, I think that, yeah, I think they might even make fun of Rick Astley in that video. Um... <laughs> He's such a nice guy, too. But you're right. I think there's the shift towards the latter day, the phase two of Nick Lowe. And, um, you know, Party of One was one, – was I love the song uh, What's Shaken on the Hill. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful song, and I Don't Know Why You Keep Me On is really great. 1994, and he's, he, he's, he's gotten out of his deal so he can make records a lot more slowly. Jake Riviera it refers to him as the least hardworking man in show business. <laughs> well, he starts to adopt this kind of uh, slightly aristocratic Bill Nighy kind of, uh, oh, I just yeah. sort of came in to cut a, knock a few tracks out and will see you later. But The Impossible Bird is one that he's really par- proud of because that includes The Beast in Me that's There's his version of Beast in
0: blowing Me Shelley, My
2: family. Love is Beautiful I think I Live on a Battlefield is one of his great latter day songs but you're getting this thing where he's trying At to peel back the eccentricity yeah. and create timeless songs Yes. That he, I think he says something like I know the song is finished when it no longer feels like it's mine
1: There's an organ blowing in the breeze For the dancers behind Shaking
2: on the hill. And I, I entered into this stage pretty, pretty enthusiastically. I, Dig My Mood has, has, oh, Dig My Mood has uh, a lot of, he, he, that's the one they, they thought they could never better, and so they almost stopped making records after that, but it's got a song called What Lack of Love Has Done, which I think is a perfect, perfect, beautiful tune, but it's also got a cover of a uh, Henry McCullough uh, Henry McCulloch who was a one of the guitarists in Wings. Yeah, w- I knew I knew and that he wrote name. a song called "There called Failed Christian, which is one of my I just love the song to death and Nick's version is a lot better than Henry McCulloch's version, let me tell you. It's all good stuff and he's really making he's kind of becoming this elder statesman.
0: You could just listen to all those albums back to back and sort of have one experience. Yeah. They just all work together so well. They're all beautiful.
2: Any 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 standouts for you?
0: Um, actually one of my favorites is on uh, At My Age and it's uh, Rome Wasn't Built in the day, a Day you know? that's a great song you
1: don't know it but I've made my mind up you'll wind up in my arms first I have to break down your resistance to my charm yes darling I know it won't be easy, but I won't rest until I find a way. Everybody knows that Rome wasn't built in
2: a day. He's, he's trying to construct got basically perfect songs that will stand the test of time right. and that have a little bit of a, a hook, of some, something interesting going on, but not a lot of Nick Lowe in them. But And he, people keep talking about how he's become such a beautiful singer, too,
0: during this time. Right. He does have that sort of uh, performer excellence that you think of with, like, a Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. So he's sort of getting to that that level of vocal styling where it's it's full it's rich um, you look forward to his voice in a way that uh, isn't necessarily so in this the stuff in the 70s where this is like this is vocally driven
2: it and you notice he rec- he records a couple covers on every single one of these records he always says he just does he he's it's kind of in keeping with his self-deprecation but he doesn't he kind of doesn't want it to be all about him or he thinks it's it's the very english way of saying like it might be egotistical to have nothing but songs written by him on, the, on, a, on a Nick Lowe record. Which is, <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's calling the shots in his career at this point. And he's not trying to make hits so he can do this. But, you know, Lex, I think you see this in a lot of these um, amazing lyricists uh, that they simplify things over time. Springsteen, the same thing. You listen to Greetings from Asbury Park and it's just how much many words can I fit in here? Yeah, compared right. to what he does now, which is trying to strip it down and kind of get to the essence.
0: He talk, I saw an interview the other day uh, where he talks about his process and sort of how he believes it works, you know, where these things come from. Um, and he talks about looking at his old stuff, right, from his, his younger days and, uh, and listening to those songs and, and thinking like, why'd you mess it up? Why would you mess it up by doing it yourself? Don't do it yourself. It's just there and it will come to you. You just have to be more patient. You know, he sort of associates his younger days with with being too eager and um, moving too quickly. Uh, and And the truth is, is that the song is there and bit by bit will reveal itself to you. And all you have to do is just keep a hold of it. Which I thought was was interesting, and in my experience, as far as creative stuff goes, is is becoming truer and truer. That's,
2: I mean, I think that's beautiful. It, it's really what it is is profound. I think. I I I, I see a, some wisdom in that man, and I think that he's a, almost like a archetype of someone who's aged really well. He he talks about he doesn't rock anymore; he only rolls. <laughs> Um, and he's you know as time has gone on people like Wilco you know have have really embraced him as almost like a grandfather type He's called the headmaster of British music or something like that um, he's, he's dignified and uh, partly and he's also just uh, he's funny and he's he's still making music he's not like giving it up.
0: Uh, no, he's game to talk about this stuff too. He's game to share. I mean that that's what struck me about him now, you know there's 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 a lot of snark in sort of his his earlier presence, but you look at him now and you're like, oh man, he's just one of us, you know he's just a fan of music and a fan of a good song and he's just trying to find that for himself, too. He's definitely a, a, a student of the song. A
2: student, absolutely.
0: So do you want to give your, your top five? How do, you, how do we want to do this? Do we, do we do Nick Adjacent and Nick Nick?
2: Yeah, well, I, 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 or I did Nick First Phase, Nick Second Phase, and Nick Adjacent. Is that too much?
0: No. Uh, I, I've just got Nick Adjacent. Uh, so we've got some stiff singles in here that I like a lot. Maybe by Jill Reed floors Uh me um her voice is i i I don't know anything about her and i I look forward to digging in a a little bit more but um police car by larry wallace the guy that was in the original lineup of motorhead and then a producer for stiff um i just love it's got this nice punk but low-key vibe Mm -hmm. uh girls talk the rock pile dave edmonds i like less than zero a lot yeah the elvis song and um, Appalachian Eyes off of that Carlin Carter album. That's
2: a album. great list, and we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, overlap at all. My Nick adjacent list is um, uh, Men Called Uncle by Elvis Costello. Yeah, off of Get Happy. Uh, Watch the Moon Come Down by Graham Parker off Stick It to Me. Just oh, Stick to Me. Uh, Always Better with You by Paul Carrick off Suburban Voodoo. Too Bad About Sandy by Carlene Carter off of uh, the uh, Musical Shapes. And then I'm going to start living again if it kills me, which is a Dave Edmonds tune off Twangin'. And it's a, it's a, it's Nick and uh, and Carlene wrote that song together. And it's a, it's a great song, you know. Uh, by the way, I, I almost forgot to mention one of the commentators said that Nick Lowe is a very interesting phenomenon and in that he, He managed to be at the center of uh, pub rock, punk rock, and new wave uh, and yet not be a part, not really, not really become part of any of them
0: (laughs) or be defined by any of them. I feel like that's what, at least for me, why he was so elusive. Like I didn't, don't know how to pin him down. And so I didn't know what I was getting into or basically have any reason to sort of pursue him because I didn't, it's like, what, who is this guy?
2: He's 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 definitely cool. He is definitely the Jesus of cool. So, what else? Uh, what what are your top five of Nick?
0: By the way, I wish if I had had a, a, a top six for Nick and Jason, Whole Wide World by Reckless Eric would have been in there. That's that's it's an awesome song. Um, top five Nick was was tough. I'm gonna say No Reason uh, off Jesus Jesus of Cool because uh, I like that sort of Island Records vibe he's got going on in there. I mean, once again, you know. Nothing is the same, right? There's, he's, he's trying out different different styles, sort of constantly, and yet fitting and it all. And I think Dave Robinson style.
2: ends up buying Island Records, yeah, oh, or really? running it or something. Sorry, continue. Yeah, gets oh, folded wow. into um, stiff. Gets folded into Island.
0: So no reason. Um, it was either that, or I love the sound of Breaking Glass, which is just undeniable. But um, Born Fighter uh, off uh, labor, labor of Lust. Um, also, I don't know if you remember this, but um, in our first episode, the Mott Hoople uh, album, or Mott Hoople episode, uh, one of my Mott Hoople songs was One of the Boys, which uh, has a phone ringing at the, at the beginning, and I said that I love songs with phones yeah. ringing. So I'm going to pick Switchboard Susan. <laughs> Switchboard Susan, won't you give me a line? It sounds like it's just this creep that's calling up operators and...
2: Making sexual innuendos.
0: But it's just, it's a thumping song. Um, L.A.F.S., Rome wasn't built in a day, like I said. Um, And uh, I'm I'm going over here, but I do like, I read a lot, which is um, off one of the last uh, couple of albums there, which is just heartbreaking.
2: Wow. That's a great list, though. My list would be of the, the sort of the early Nick. It's uh, When I Write the Book, So It Goes. I mean, these are the classics. I, 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 I tried to go more obscure, but they're just perfect. They're so good. Cruel to Be Kind. I can't get... I never want to so turn good. that song off. Um, the Ugly Things by the Brinsley Schwartz song. And then The Rose of England. I think that that's... Rose of England to me feels like the last gasp of his first phase. Yeah. Uh, right. It and is. The second phase would be What Lack of Love Has Done. Then there's The Beast in Me, which is one of these eternal songs where he, he successfully stripped away the nick uh, and just got to something very deep and, I think, uh, honest. Um, the song called Hope for Us All off of At My Age, yeah, which yeah. I think is a, a really wonderful encapsulation. Uh, lately, I've let things slide love that. one. Uh, and then these are all so and then he good. records a, a a Christmas album with Lost Straight Jackets and it's got two songs on there that I I just cheating but the the song Christmas at the Airport is wonderful and then there's a song called I Was Born in Bethlehem which is like more of a it's like a very hushed slightly sacred but adjacent song that only he could pull off and I saw him do it in concert with Lost Straight Jackets where he did that song by himself as a last song and it was just um Sublime. So that's my list.
0: And he's got a new album now. Love this man.
2: Right. Or new 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 uh, he's doing EPs now.
0: Lay It On Me. That's the name of the EP.
2: He's not the least hardworking man in show business. He continues to write and record music. And he,
0: Who said that? Dave? Edmonds? No, Jay rivera Oh yeah. <laughs> um, what should we uh, what should we go out with? Uh, do you want, do, you have do a hope
1: pick? for us all? People are remarkable change that's come over me, it can be explained very easily, out of the blue someone's come into my lonely world and now I'm walking tall. And if even I can find someone There's hope for us all